and I feel fine about imposter syndrome. And it's just these voices in my head that tell me I am better off giving up or giving in instead of letting people down. And now these voices pull me in and make me stay in bed instead of getting up and convincing me that the morning's not my friend. Voices that they try to hide away. What's happening, my fellow imposters? What's going on? Thank you for joining us. This is episode number two of Imposter Syndrome. Uh, today, my guest is uh, musician and producer Matt McWaters. Uh, he's a fellow student of mine and uh, a friend as well. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, great chats we've always had. So I wanted to have him on the podcast. He's got some really cool projects coming up and I wanted to talk to him about, but I also wanted to talk to him about, uh, uh, his struggle with imposter syndrome. When he first came to singing lessons, one of the most difficult things that he struggled with was not learning how to sing, but allowing himself to learn how to sing, uh, uh was a big part of that. And, <clears throat> and moving past that fear and moving past that insecurity uh, uh, was a, a struggle at first, but he's really come into his own and uh, I'm excited to talk to him on today's episode. So with this being the second official episode of the podcast, how do I feel about imposter syndrome right now? Um, I don't know just yet. Again, I still am not sure where I feel with imposter syndrome. I'm, I'm beginning to realize that the imposter with imposter syndrome is the syndrome itself. That's the imposter. It's not that I'm the imposter. It's it, it's that. And an interesting thing with only being the second episode of doing this, I'm finding that I'm becoming more motivated to push myself to get into a lot of the, the projects and a lot of the ideas that I've had in the past, um, working on some ideas of some workshops, working on a, a, a book idea and, and so on and so forth. These ideas that I had in the past that I really wanted to do that I have felt kind of closed off to for the last little while um, because uh, of feeling uh, this struggle. And I'm already after the second episode of talking to someone else about this whole thing and their experience with it. I'm already finding myself. I wouldn't say I'm quite breaking free of those chains just yet, but I do feel myself becoming motivated to push myself forward and start working, getting back into the process of working on these projects and, and pushing myself back out there as I have an itchy nose. What I realized is that, yeah, for the last little while, I haven't pushed myself to to uh, um, execute these projects as as quickly as I used to, you know, back seven years ago in, in, in my 30, in my early 30s and even my late 20s. Um, there would have been no question. I would have thought of the thing I wanted to do and with in the within the hour sometimes, but by the end of the day or by the next day, I already have 
a whole plan figured out. I already have most of the project roughly written. And by, you know, a couple days later, by the end of the week, I'm already like, I'm already hitting the ground running. And for the last few years, I have not felt that sense of urgency, um, which is, I guess, kind of a good thing as well as it is a bad thing. On the one hand, it's a bad thing because it stops me from doing the things I want to do. Uh, but on the other hand, it can sometimes be a good thing because it's making me slow down and, and kind of think the process through a little bit more, which I think is also an important thing. I think executing on your ideas and your projects you want to get done is absolutely, it's it's a very important aspect. If you don't do them, then they're, they're, they do nothing. They, they're, no, they're not good for anything. Um, but if you push it too fast, uh, then you end up unprepared and you either don't get the results that you want or uh, you end up not being able to do it. Not because you weren't motivated, but just because other people say no, because it just wasn't prepared or uh, you run into red tape or whatever else. Um, so this is making me slow down the process a little bit, but I'm moving, I'm moving with it. I'm moving forward with things again like i used to like i said uh, a little bit more i don't want to say cautiously but with uh, trying to be a little bit more prepared uh with it um but i'm moving forward with ideas again and this is only after episode number two i'm already doing this uh so hopefully if if the trajectory continues in in this direction that that will propel me to to push myself further and further and to take more and more chances to really push myself out there. So I guess the thing is, is this podcast is kind of like a moxicillin. What a terrible <laughs> comparison. But in the sense of uh, when you start taking it after the first day or two, uh, you'll find that you end up getting so much better. Your temperature comes down. Your, you, if you have swollen lymph nodes, they'll come down. Uh, uh, but you know, even though you don't, you're starting to show less signs of being sick, you still have to take it for the seven days because it has to rid of the entire infection. Um, but the effects show pretty quickly. And that's what I'm finding this podcast. What a terrible comparison <laughs> that I just made. This podcast is like liquid amoxicillin for a five-year-old. Um, I'm going to do my best to try to chase this podcast with chocolate sauce and water. So that way uh, I don't mind the, the taste of it at times, but um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to see what it's already making me feel at this point is the main concept I'm trying to say here. Uh, so coming up on this episode is uh, one of my longtime students, one of my longtime friends, so proud of him for everything that he's done. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Matt McWaters. Thank you very much for being here. <laughs> and that's to say, I don't know if it's to jump right into what I mean by that, but it's something that I have suffered with a lot in my life in many ways. And I think we can talk about the ways in which I've kind of, in my own sense, like learned to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And like, I would say right now where I am in my life, I feel okay with it. Like there's been times where I've definitely felt it in a much stronger way. But yeah, I feel lately, I feel better with that stuff. So when you say you feel okay with it, do you feel in the sense of like, you're okay if it exists or, or it doesn't mm -hmm. bother you so much? Like you don't feel it so much anymore. 
yeah, I don't feel it so much. Like I've come to terms with those feelings a bit more. And it's kind of like, um, like, you know, I have like anxiety and stuff like that. And they say, you don't like you, you learn to live with it rather than to like fix it. Right. You're not like healing or getting rid of something. So I think mm-hmm. it's the same with imposter syndrome. Like it's very normal, I think, to feel that and to feel like, oh, I don't deserve this or I don't belong here or stuff like that. But, you know, it's just how you deal with those feelings when they come up. I think it's interesting. I was listening to um, an interview with uh, uh, Bill Hader. Mm-hmm. Bill oh, Hader great. Talks, oh you're amazing, right? Uh, he talks about how he has like crippling anxiety. Mm. Terrible. Wow. And when he was on SNL learning to deal with anxiety, one of the things that he talked about was he kind of pictured anxiety as if it was like a little monster, but mm-hmm. sat on his shoulder. And he said mm-hmm. after a while, it started to get to a point that when he would go out, if he didn't feel the presence of it, that would make him nervous. Almost because it was like a safety blanket. Like if that's there and he feels nervous, he feels like that's there to protect him. He feels safe. He feels prepared. So if something goes off the rails, he's got mm. it there to to have his back. Um, so it's almost it felt like a a a, a positive safety blanket to him a mm. bit. That's really interesting. Uh, I don't know if I relate exactly with the idea of it being like you know a safety blanket, but I do understand what he means in that because anxiety can drive you to like be a perfectionist and drive you to like make sure, for example you know, before this podcast, I set up a camera, you know, I made sure I was like, Oh, do I look all right? You know, I'm doing these things because doing this sort of stuff makes me a bit nervous. Now, if I didn't have that anxiety, maybe I would come unprepared and maybe it'd be fine. Mm -hmm. But I like to think that because of the anxiety, I make sure everything's as good as it can be. And that applies to like writing music, performance, stuff like that. So yeah, I can really, I can relate on that sense. That's that's an interesting one. You become like you, you, it's made you be prepared more, I guess. Yeah, you, you feel like you have to prepare. And so then you actually, you just are prepared. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Let's 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 go back. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we'll look at kind of when it started about. So one of the prompts that we have for this is sure. when you first noticed that you experienced imposter syndrome, can mm. you think back at a time uh, of your earliest memory of it? Yeah, that's actually really easy because I have, um, so I'm a, I'm a musician, right? You can see the piano, that, that makes it obvious, but, uh, <laughs> I thought you were an accountant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could be, I could be many things, man of many sure. hats. <laughs> I mean, Ableton looks like an Excel sheet, so it's yeah, not that far yeah. off, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah. So I'm also a programmer is what I was getting at. And, uh, you know, you spend a few years in university and you get this job as you do. And you're working with all these incredibly competent people who've been in the industry for like five, six, seven, you know, 10, 20 years. And, you know, you got like some 40 year old guy on your team who's the best at what he does in the company. And you can't help but feel like I don't belong here. You know, I'm just a kid. I don't really know what I'm doing. And you learn a lot of stuff at university. But when you're working at a new company as a programmer, you have to learn how the company's software works and their tech stack. So yeah, that's definitely the first memory is being like, wow, it's like a high paying job. I feel like I don't really belong here. Everybody around me knows what they're doing. Um, definitely that would have been it. What what did that make you feel in that moment? So, you know, you come into a job like that and you see those type of people there. Did that give you a moment of like, I don't belong here. I'm not going to fit in. Or did it give you a sense of like, I got to work 17 times harder just to prove I deserve to be here. Did it motivate you? Did it demotivate you? Like what, what was that experience like? Yeah. The reaction was probably a mix of what, everything you just said at first. You're like, 
oh, I don't know if I can do this, right? Like, uh, but you know, then you push yourself because you're like, well, if I don't belong, or if I think I don't belong here and I want to stay here, I better prove that I do, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so you, you end up pushing yourself really hard for the first year and, uh, and that usually pays off, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what I did. And I've been at this company where I'm working at for, I think, six years as of March. And I definitely don't feel like an imposter anymore, but it still comes up funny enough. Like it'll still, there'll still be a day where I'm like, oh, I had a good work day. Did I deserve that? It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, do I, should I be working harder? Should I be, you know what there's, I mean? There's some weird deep rooted thing where um, it, it's kind of those things in school. I don't know how you were, but in, in, in school for me in high school, especially is that if, if I got a good grade or if I, thought that I should study to try to get good grades, I didn't think I deserved them because I didn't think that I was uh, uh, smart enough to mm. study to deserve good grades. Mm -hmm. I deserved the the D plus C minus average that I <laughs> had in that moment. <laughs> um, and I do I do know that feeling like when I first started teaching. Mm. Uh, the funny thing is, uh, um, is that I started teaching students. So when I got hired there, uh, I, I had said to my boss at the time when he's like, oh, yeah, we do every, we do everything where it's like part time. We have you on for maybe a couple times a week and we have maybe like four or five students, like nothing too much. And I was like, that's cool. I really want full time and I'm going to I'm going to do it. I, I, I'm going to drive myself to do it. And part of me was like, this is what I want to do. But another part of me was like, I have to prove that I deserve to be here by taking on absolutely everything. And I did relatively quickly, I think about a, a couple weeks in, I went from teaching 12 people to 40. And all <laughs> of a sudden I was like, oh, okay. And instead of me panicking of like, this is a lot of people, I thought, you know what, this is just reps. Is what right, right, right. I'm just getting in the reps is what I'm doing. And uh, I started getting lots of positive review from students and everything like that. The front desk was like, you got this positive review, you got this. And I was like, great. And then I'd go home at the end of the night at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And I'd be on the phone with my wife or my mom being like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so like classic. Every single, every single day for probably a good year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, that, that was a, an odd uh, moment. Not the first time I felt imposter syndrome, but definitely one of. I was going to say, is there some level of that you think that's because you're the one teaching, you're the one who's supposed to have the answers, right? You're like, uh, here I am to tell you how this is going to go and how you should improve. And all of a sudden yeah. you're like, I don't, that's way too much responsibility, right? Like I was just a programmer doing my job, but you're like, I have to be the mentor here. So there was a weird thing for me when I got hired there that I didn't learn until much later on. And, and part of it was the lack of communication uh, mm. at the time from my boss who hired me and, and him and I had a conversation about that way later on. Um, but the people who were working there had gone to school for music. So I, I was one of the first mm. of four teachers that had ever gotten hired there. Wow. And uh, the rest of them had gone to school for it. Um, oh, I think two of them went to school for it. I think the other one, like he wanted Juno, he's worked with like tons of choirs some decent sized artists like a whole bunch of things mm -hmm. and i was just in punk rock bands <laughs> like i was just like in venues across you know canada and the u.s just being sweaty and yelling at people <laughs> like, so 
<laughs> it was weird that I see these people who were like, yeah, I got my master's degree in right, right, this, right. this and this. And I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just do chants and crowd surf on top of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I felt like I, I needed to prove that I knew what I was talking about because I didn't have those credentials. Right, right, right. right. That actually right, makes sense. Right. Where everyone else is like, if somebody said, cause it, it, Okay, I was going to say it never happened. It did happen once where one person said, uh, what makes you think you know the answer to this this question? So one person, one student said that to me once. Whoa. But uh, Whoa, I, what? I, yeah, it, sometimes you can get this weird thing with singing lessons where it, it has nothing to do with you. The person just feels uh, vulnerable, insecure, like whatever the case. Mm-hmm. So when you give them like, let's look at this that happened, we'll, we'll uh, um, kind of break this apart. And then they just get defensive and frustrated. Uh, one person did that and came at me and I was afraid. I was so afraid of like basically being heckled like a comedian sort of thing. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, because of that, I was just constantly like, I need to know the answer to everything. Right. Yeah. Everything. And it, it yes, it motivated me, but not in the healthiest way <laughs> by the way that sounds like the bill hater anxiety to bring it back right yeah. not that i you know i've known you for a while and you don't you don't strike me as an anxious person but in terms of imposter syndrome that seems like the same reaction right it's like i'm gonna be and how i put it you're gonna prepare yourself for every answer because yeah. then surely i'm not an imposter surely i belong here right yeah because yeah. and, and the funny thing is and i don't know if you have felt this but do you ever feel like when you look at the other people there you're like they know all the answers sure yeah. I, I don't so i have to work eight yeah. times harder to to learn them all when in reality when you go up i'm sure you've seen this now when you go up and ask them like do you know the answer to this thing with programming and they're like yeah because i googled it yeah, yeah, yeah i mean that's 90 percent of programming is like <laughs> learning how to google that's what you learn at school basically yeah and that was an interesting thing that i learned from from my wife who went to school for to become a librarian she went for sure. library science and uh you know, she basically said to me, she's like, you go to school to learn how to learn, mm-hmm. not, not to learn everything. So that way, when it comes time and you need to know an answer, you know how to look it up and learn it. Yeah, I, I have this like, I don't think it's a hot take, but you know, how people go like, oh, like, why are we learning all this stuff in high school that we're never going to use? Like, to a certain point, fine. Mm-hmm. But also, like you just said, you're learning how to learn, even if you don't use math, you know, calculus every day having to learn calculus which is a pretty challenging topic sets you up to learn other challenging topics so you know that you know there's that as well yes or you can just be a disappointment to your father who's an accountant and you still can't do that <laughs> to this day accounting is coming up a lot uh, <laughs> it's, it's a touchy subject for me yeah, yeah uh, it's a nerve we're touching a nerve on accounting uh he might to his credit my father has tried his best to help me learn math and just for some reason it just does not compute. It does not compute. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be for you, you know? Uh, you know, you went to school for programming, mm-hmm. but the, a, a big part of more so what you're doing and kind of what you're driven to to get into is music. You know, yes. you, you do producing in music, you write your own music, you're, mm-hmm. you're getting into looking into that performative side mm-hmm. to learn producing as someone who's dabbled in it in the past and has has been part of recording studios and and working with producers all the time what a massive learning curve yes huge oh my gosh yeah what that like that is a process of getting into having to learn how to learn 
to learn the the process of producing what was mm -hmm. that journey like so I've always been like a huge like I love video games and I love just like browsing the internet and like researching random stuff so I think my brain is set up for it is, is how I'll start but you know I would have been like 15 14 and we had this piano in the like some electric piano in my parents place and you could press record and it would you could store loops mm -hmm. so I remember before I before I was on Ableton or FL Studio or whatever I was doing I would like record a loop and then I would let it play the chords and then I would do, you know, melody on top of it. And so I was basically doing like a little, you know, a little simulation of like looping and DAW stuff at 15. And I, I remember you could store a bunch of these. So I had like six or seven like ideas that I would write. So I was always writing, you know. Um, but then I think I discovered FL Studio, uh, eventually moved to Ableton once uh, Skrillex became a thing because, you know, you're like 17 and you're like, this is the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. But um yeah, it's just a lot of Googling. It's just like programming. Um, but, you know, since I've been doing it, I'm 28 now. I've been doing it since I was 15. It was just like the longest grind of like learning the littlest thing every month. If I had to, if someone told me get up to speed on like learning how to produce in like a month, not happening. No, and not I, happening. Think, I think that's that's part of kind of what I want to point out with this whole thing, right, mm -hmm. is that uh, such a common thing I'll hear from students is they'll come in and, and we, we've talked about this a few times in the past where a student, the first question they'll ask is, I really want to be a professional musician. Mm -hmm. How long will it take me? Oh. And then when I said, when I say like eight to 10 years, minimum, yeah. and they go, oh, I was hoping months. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, no. <laughs> and it's, I want to shed the light on the fact that it's like, you know, it's not that you can't, you absolutely can learn how to do these things. And hmm. the basics, at least. Yeah. Not all musicians who are who are super famous are the most technically savvy. They just have put in the time to really know how to take the what works for their voice and just work it to the best possible mm -hmm. specs that they can, even if it's only like an octave range vocal that they have. Um, they really like dress it up, give it a lot of artsy kind of feel and, and, and whatnot, but it takes years. Oh my gosh. I, I can tell, I can tell you because I've been producing for 10 years, but you know, I've only been singing for maybe five or six. Yeah. Yeah. And that's since I've been coming to see you for lessons, right? Yeah. <laughs> Registers music. Where's the camera? Registers Yay. music. <laughs> um, <laughs> so cheesy. Love it. Love it. Yeah. But, um, and, and I can tell you, I feel like I'm finding my footing like this year. You know what I mean? Like I've been singing for, like I said, five, six years. And like, that's how long it's taken where like now I'm like, I think I can write and sing songs that I'm gen generally happy with after, just after all that time. So yeah, crazy. like a good, a good portion of the beginning of it is, and it depends on what your skill level is, mm -hmm. but when you're coming into it fresh, a lot of it is like, conditioning strengthening coordinating all of those things first and that takes time mm -hmm. that takes mm -hmm. a long time it's like if you want to be an athlete and you want to compete although you can compete in like small minor little tiny leagues when you want to compete on a higher level it's an it's a few years a number of years before you get into that point to like strengthen yourself and condition yourself enough to be able to withstand that kind of oh yeah competition and it's the same thing for this and then and I'm sure it's the same with sports. I don't know about you. Uh, uh, I wear a baseball hat, but I am not an athlete <laughs> by any means. Um, but like 
in music, once you finally then find that strength and, and you really hone those skills, then you have to try to figure out your, your, your artistic voice. Mm -hmm. That takes a few years to try to figure out like, first of all, what is that? And yeah. there's a lot of like testing and failing and testing and failing. And then once you kind of figure out, then it's more testing and failing. And then it takes a couple more years to hone in on that. 100%. How have you found that kind of uh, journey for, because you've recently kind of really discovered yours. Tell me, tell me like what you have found in your style and about how, like how you went about getting to this point. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, originally I was listening to like, you know, your music taste evolves over time. And originally I was listening to like, uh, you know, all sorts of like modern R&B and, uh, you know, music where it's, it's, you know, either a female vocal really high up or like a man doing like a beautiful falsetto. And so for the longest time, I was like, that's what I got to do. You know, I love James Blake. I got to sing in the highest range possible. And unless it, mm. unless it doesn't sound like my own voice, I won't like it, which that goes a little bit into like the insecurities of your voice. Right. Um, but then eventually you go, you, you realize actually my voice, you know, thanks to, you know, you and I worked a lot on like belting and chest voice and stuff like that. And you start to love this part of your voice that, or I started to love this part of my voice that I totally ignored for years, you know, mm -hmm. years, years, years. I didn't, if I was not singing in falsetto, it was by accident. It was just because that cover called for it or this or that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, now listening to recently listening to more like retro soul and, you know, like the seventies and sixties and like psychedelic rock, being able to leverage the new skills that I've developed in my mid range in that mix. I've really found a way to sing in a way that feels natural to me and that I love how it sounds. And I feel like that's really the key, right? Because if it doesn't sound, if it doesn't feel natural, you can hear it and you have to love it or else you're going to go crazy. Right. So, yeah, well, I think one of the uh, struggles or one of the difficulties for artists is when they're trying to find their sound, their natural sound, as you said, they don't know what that is and what they, mm -hmm. what, what they do know is they know, everyone else's natural sound that they do like. Mm -hmm. So then you start trying to replicate that. I know for me, um, I come from that, that punk rock emo, mm -hmm. uh, uh, screamo metal kind of style. And for years, years in the beginning, I would fight against it really hard because I would try to do super, super high, high, high belting vocals. And I don't sound like that by any means. So it didn't, it like, I was able to do it, mm -hmm. but it was a lot of effort and it didn't sound as natural. And I ended up not liking what I sounded like a lot of the cases. And once I started to learn like proper technique, it still wasn't for me. And, and as I started to develop more of the natural tone, uh, the big problem I think that happens in a lot of cases when you're like, oh, I can't be that. I got to be more myself. When you start becoming yourself, you don't sound like the things that you you like that you know work. Yeah. So then there's that true. insecurity of thinking that the the natural that you're trying to embrace isn't like everything else, so it wasn't so it won't work. But that's actually the key is is that is finding the thing that isn't like everything else. Mm -hmm. That's what makes you different. That's what makes yep. you stand out. And and embracing that, and you might feel insecure a little bit about it at first, but it's it's part of what will make you a different artist and not sound like everybody else, which is a big thing. Yeah, I, I feel like that 
I've, I've heard people say, oh, you have such a unique voice. I've heard that in the past to myself mm-hmm. or to myself. Mm-hmm. And I, for some reason, I used to take it as a negative. You know what I mean? Like, no, I don't want to be unique. I want to sound like everyone else that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, you kind of learn to appreciate your own, you know, what you can bring. And I was thinking about what I said, you know, finding your natural voice. It's interesting because even the voice that I, I sing in doesn't sound exactly like how I talk, but it's a little bit that, um, you know, know the rules so you can break them sort of yeah. thing where you, you, you find where it's comfortable and then you make those little adjustments, like maybe ring the larynx down, maybe you mm-hmm. add some vocal fry, like stuff like that. But those are at the end of the day, creative choices. So um, not to backtrack the natural voice thing, but you know, you're, you're, you're embellishing as well. Yeah. The, the whole thing with music that I, I tell everybody is that when you are learning, when you are learning how to play music or how to sing just in general, Mm-hmm. there are the rules. These are the rules that you have to follow in order to learn how to play music in order to learn how to sing. Once you have those down and you start looking at more of the artistry side and you start looking at create creativeness, uh, then all of the rules no longer are rules. They become suggestions. Yeah. And all <laughs> rules can be broken. And one thing that I'm seeing a trend that's happening online quite a lot, uh, TikTok or whatever else is I'll see voice coaches that come on and they'll say, don't do this with your voice. Don't do this with your voice. Make sure you never do this. Never mm. do that. And in reality, like, yes, there are certain things that you don't want to do constantly with your voice all of the time. And that's how you sing forever because damage can and somewhat can come out. But at the same time, you shouldn't fear there. There does have to be a sense of self-discovery mm. and allow yourself to just try random things. And, and we've talked about this, like when it comes to belting, we're going to try something it's going to squawk. It's going to crack you oh, might yeah. a little bit, but those difficulties are necessary in the beginning to start to discover the area, to become comfortable with being there and not sounding as great conditioning, strengthening, like those steps are, are important. Uh, mm-hmm. And I do find sometimes the internet tends to make people afraid of it. I don't know if it's, if it's not on purpose, like if people are, are actually trying to be helpful being like, don't do this. Or if mm-hmm. they're trying to like, don't do this, you'll need me to help you fix it. I, I don't know what it is. Right. Yeah. Selling shovels in a kind yeah. of thing. Right. Yeah. But I do know there's a sense of that where in reality, like, as I'm sure you've seen much more as recent, uh, um, is that self-discovery is a big part and in producing too, working with other artists, mm-hmm. discovery is such a huge thing. Uh, one thing I actually am interested that I just think of now is that I know the artistry side. So there's, there's self-discovery with, mm-hmm yourself as an artist you as a producer working with somebody with working with uh, Regan or Tucker yeah yeah with working with him was there a moment as a producer where you're finding like that artistic voice in production with him like he's got his mind of like Mm -hmm. this is my art artistic uh, uh vision and was there a moment in there where you're just like I'll take his artistic vision and I'm just gonna copy that or was there a sense of that for yourself in the production as well? No, there's something so interesting about the way Regan and I work in that when we first started getting to know each other as like friends or, you know, like, oh, like sending demos back and forth, stuff like that. I, we quickly realized that our taste in music, especially at the time that we were working together, um, is so identical. It would be creepy. Like he would send me a song that he was listening to and I would have just liked it on Spotify the day before. You know what I mean? Like, it, like. <laughs> we were like um, music soulmates in, in terms yeah. of our taste. And so 
to it, with that in mind, the, I would say this is maybe not the answer you're looking for, but there was almost no discovery uh, or and, or like even thought put into I have to match a style, I don't have to match a style, I have to make sure I get it right with it because it it just seemed that everything I did just happened. It's almost like I was writing through him because we had such similar tastes. Now that made things, yeah, we clicked so it musically clicked so well. And I think that's why him and I worked on so much music in uh, over the past few years, really, that I would, I would have to guess that's one of the biggest reasons. Is, is this this album that you're working with? Is this kind of one of the more bigger albums that you've worked on up to this point? For sure. It is the biggest because I, before then, you know, I have million and one music friends that I'll work on singles with them or maybe yeah. I'm on like half the songs on a project, you know, just because I can't afford to dedicate all, all my time to, you know, single projects. But then with sure. Regan, it was such a big project and such an undertaking and I wanted to be such a big part of it that I was just, I decided to be on everything, right? Or we decided, obviously, he, yeah, he wanted yeah. to have me on everything. Because it's that first really big project that you're working on that you're like, I really want to land this. It's got some names on it that are really cool. So you know, like there's there's that you want to have working with as well. Was there any part of of anxiety and imposter syndrome that played into that where you're kind of coming into it be like, I have to bring this a game so hard because I want to prove that I deserve to be like, did you ever feel any moment of that? yeah yeah so again without saying anything about who but yeah mm -hmm. there's there's a few names on there where it, it you know it'd be someone that i idolized for a few years yeah. or someone that i you know i've always wanted to work with many actually a few people that I, i've been such a huge fan of that it, it, it's almost like a shock when you're like wow i get to work with this person and that's that's where you know we open this conversation with me saying like i'm fine with imposter syndrome and it maybe it sounds like above it right and it, it's what I mean is that, of course, I feel it. And especially in those moments, of course, I'm like, do I deserve this? Like, is this right? Yeah. And, and, you know, I've only been singing for such a short time and I'm singing on this song, collaborating with artists that I respect so much. Mm -hmm. And you go, do I deserve this? Is this good? Really? I think it boiled down to, is this good? Am I good enough? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's an, it's an interesting thing when that thought process hits. Mm -hmm. Because when you're working with this level of talent and you start thinking to yourself like do i deserve this mm -hmm. that's a thought process that hits in 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 those moments and that's where imposter syndrome can kind of uh, take an effect and you're like do i deserve this what i've said to myself and, th and this will kind of uh, roll into this aspect of, of how you you learn to deal with it what i said to myself all the time and i've said to students over years is if you if the opportunity presents itself to you, you deserve the opportunity. Hmm. Because if you did not deserve the opportunity, it would not be there. It would not present itself hmm. to you. You wouldn't get it. Like, I'm not being the opening pitcher for the Blue Jays because I certainly do not deserve <laughs> that. It's not just showing up. Right, right, right. right if right. I had worked for it, and that was something I really wanted to do, and I, I got lucky and all that kind of stuff and worked hard. Uh, uh, and got to that point, and all of a sudden, it's like I've pitched a ton. I'm doing well, and now I'm there. Sure, that makes sense. But of course, no one like I'm not going to get the coach showing up. Be like, right, 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 we're right. down a pitcher. Like, <laughs> no, where's Matt? <laughs> yeah, right. No, nobody's going to do that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's funny that we work so hard for towards something, and then think to ourselves, do I deserve this? Yeah, if you didn't, the opportunity would not be there. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the good ways to combat it, like on the onset. I also think for me personally, and this this goes into like how I deal with imposter syndrome, um, when you get that feedback, when you when you do take the opportunity and you run with it, and then all of a sudden, oh, you know, I I, I sang on this and I added this and that. What do you think? And it's like, oh my gosh, we love it. Like mm-hmm. we're gonna make this a single, or we're gonna make, you know, we're gonna push that. You know what I mean? Like when you when you he, when you get that value, it's silly because you, the last thing you want is to is to is to make your mental state depend on other people's validation. <laughs> but I it, like it's awful, right? Like it, that's not how it should be. But when you when you have imposter syndrome, it comes from such a place of of it can come from such a place of doubt and insecurity that sometimes all you need is that little it's like a little ladder and then you can do the rest of the work you can say oh you know what i do deserve this i do yeah uh, yeah it's okay to to have that as uh, like you said like a little ladder to kind of lift you up to then do the rest of the work you don't want to put too much weight on it yeah exactly um and i i i I don't know about you i definitely can fall into that category where once i i get that little bit of a, a hit all of a sudden I'm in the back of an alleyway looking for compliments kind of <laughs> and I have to be careful of that sort of thing. I have to watch myself and be like, okay, I can't, I can't put that much weight. It's okay to get the validation, but the validation means nothing. If I either don't believe it myself or mm-hmm. if I'm not giving myself validation as well, like that's, that's the most important part mm. of it is allowing yourself to look at you in the mirror and be like, what you did is good. I like it. Here's proof that other people do as well. Mm-hmm. But I am also proud of the work I've I've put in and, and being able to admit that to yourself. And I think that's such an important uh, uh, factor that it is hard to, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow. It's the funny thing with success in music. You think so much of what music is going to be once you get there and then you get there and nobody tells you about this garbage that you're having to deal with, like the, the, the legal legality stuff and people who are just shitty human beings and all sure, these things. Sure, sure, it's sure. funny that, that what you perceive of like, oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be all about creating and all about in front of these people and just singing with everybody and having a good time. And in a lot of cases, it, there is this whole back room filled with people who are like fighting to keep things uh, a boys club fighting to keep things uh, a certain way fighting to keep people out fighting to yeah. gatekeep things mm-hmm. and uh, um one again another reason why i started this podcast is i didn't want to gatekeep the concept of making everyone believe that artists are these people who are super confident mm. and they have everything going and they just know exactly what they're doing when mm. in reality like like you and I, we're all just insecure people who are fighting against their own thoughts and, and doing our best to, to push ourselves forward, even though sometimes we might feel insecure about it. Yeah, well put. Well said. Yeah, yeah. I, I fully agree. That's what I'm all here for. Uh, <laughs> so where where do you see yourself next? You know, you, you've worked on this big album with this. What is your next big thing you're working towards that you're pushing yourself past this this imposter syndrome mm-hmm. now knowing that this community like the actual like people who create it know it's not a thing right how are you propelling yourself to push yourself forward and what is that thing that you're doing so i'm working on a project for myself now right i have this I had all this experience working on singles and parts of eps and then now this experience working on a huge project and now i'm dialing it back you know i won't be writing 20 songs but mm-hmm. 
maybe 10, right? And maybe most of those are already finished. So maybe we're already <laughs> planning how we're to- already almost them. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wink, wink. Um, but yeah, so as, I'm, as, as we said, like I'm discovering my voice more and more recently. And that means I can actually put it to use. And maybe I have some things to say about, you know, relationships, people, you know, friendships, uh, the nature of, of life and all that. And so maybe I'm writing 10 songs and maybe I'm releasing that, you know, as soon as I can. Like you said, the worst part of it is not, is what comes after writing, right? So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 the funny thing. You're either one of those people that, uh, uh, you know, kind of likes writing. There's a safety in writing. <laughs> and then the afterwards, it's tough. I know for me, I, <laughs> somebody, somebody said it the one day, they don't like to write. They like to have written. Oh, and, uh, right. And it's in the sense of like the, the after process when your writing is done and then you go and perform it and you're doing all these things. Oh, I see. Fun bit, but the writing process can be such a struggle and a headache oh, that so they don't like that part of it, but they like once it's done and then all the fun stuff that comes afterwards. Oh, wow. That's the complete opposite for me. My favorite part is my favorite part is the day, the, probably the day one or day two of having, of in, being in the middle of writing something, because that's when it's so exciting. You know, especially, I think the problem is I'm also my own producer, mm -hmm. you know? So day 10, I've heard the song a million times where if you're just someone who's writing a song on a guitar or piano, you might record it with someone and they might mix for you. And so you're not hearing it over and over again. But um, so interesting. Yeah, that's like the, the complete opposite to me because now it's business and you're like marketing and contracts and yeah, the, all, all that. I mean, you don't want to you're not thinking, oh, you know, you're like 10 years old, like oh, I want to be a musician. Like I can't wait to sign all those contracts and do the negotiation. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not the dream. <laughs> no, no. And it's such a huge part of the industry and, yeah. and making sure that you you have your right legal representation who can read your contracts properly because <laughs> Yeah. If they can, they will screw you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at all step, at all steps, yeah, at all steps, you you will get screwed unless you're taking care of 100. percent That's <laughs> that's yeah. just the the law of the, the you know the the lay of the land. Yeah, and it seems to be a, a situation of it's not a question of if it's a question of when, and yeah. just understanding that this is something that happens to everybody and you move past it and you keep yeah. going, which is another part mm -hmm. of that aspect where it's like sometimes we can feel we're alone in these experiences of. Mm -hmm not having confidence or making a wrong move and then yeah. having a, uh, repercussions of that. But then understanding it's like, oh no, this is something that everybody's experienced. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so that's very interesting. Well, there it is. We did it. Great. We did it. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for being on here, man. This is, this is uh, uh, fantastic. Uh, when I was starting to think of this idea and, and thinking of people I, I want to have on it, you're one of the very early people I put on the list of like, I'd love oh, to have nice. you on here um because uh you know we've been working together for for five or six years and i think there's a, there's a couple of students i have in this boat but i think out of all the students i've taught up to this point you're one of the ones i think about and i i i'm so proud of your progression i'm, uh -huh. I'm proud of everything that you've done up to this point i'm impressed by it like crazy and the other thing that i don't know if you notice or anybody else notices in your boat is that as somebody who suffers from imposter syndrome as well mm -hmm there are moments where you're talking about, right? Validation. Validation is really good to have to make yourself feel mm -hmm. like I'm doing the right thing. Watching all the stuff that you've achieved, watching the hard work, seeing you progress is part of that moment of like, am I a good teacher? Am I doing oh, what I need to be doing? Uh, seeing your thing makes me go like, ah, all right, this is cool. I'm, uh, this is happening. Good. It's good. working. Yeah. It's working. Yeah. You can see yeah, the yeah. evidence of it. hundred percent. So I, I'm, I'm super grateful and super appreciative of you and, and incredibly proud of you. You're, you're killing it. 
that's that's amazing. I would also, you know, I would also like to say the 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 amount of life lessons, you know, I've learned in our lessons, and not just to do with music, but that would be only touching the tip of the iceberg. Like the everything I've learned about my voice and songwriting, I could not have chosen. Well, actually, I guess I didn't choose you as a teacher, but I could not have been luck, you know, more lucky mm -hmm. than when they placed me with you. And here we are, five six late, five six years later, mm -hmm. and I. I the real imposter syndrome is that I can't believe I can sing like I can now. And that's coming from a place of confidence. Like I, I can, there are certain things I can do with my voice that I'm very happy, you know, about. And that's probably in huge, not probably, I know it's in huge part due mm -hmm. to our lessons and your teachings and everything we've worked on together. So also appreciate it greatly. Yeah. Thanks, man. That doesn't make me feel uncomfortable at all in the least. <laughs> to take to your compliments and take them in. <laughs>